airplanes, helicopters. I did a lot of training. I was stationed at a air sea rescue um, camp. They used to drop us into the sea yeah. and, and practice rescuing us. So, you... so I used to do that like every weekend just for fun, you know? Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. My name is Jake, and you are listening to The Success Shift, a show where perfection does not exist, but learning and growth take center stage. Have you ever felt stuck, like you're doing all the work but not getting the results? Maybe you feel like there's something missing. Perhaps there is some sort of internal shift that's needed to really get you to that next stage of success. Well, buckle up and join me as we jump into the minds of those who have been successful in their field and dive a little deeper into what is actually needed to get you to that next level. Is success just a state of mind? Does believing you're successful act as a catalyst to greater success? Is it something we can work on or are some people just luckier than others? No matter what you're into or where your passion lies, if you're wanting change or a shift in perspective, then you are definitely going to want to tune in. jumping out of planes and being dropped into the ocean to running a marathon after a very serious accident. Rowan Alastair Black is a fellow network marketer who has lived one heck of an adventurous life. Growing up in England and moving to Germany, Rowan has had to undergo some large changes in his environment, overcoming both language barriers and cultural barriers, which I'm currently finding out firsthand can be somewhat difficult. Join me on this week's episode as Rowan takes us on a journey of adventure and hardship and discusses with us the few things that really helped him to get through those challenging times. Also, see if you can spot the moment the naughty teenagers decided to join our show. As each week progresses, so too does my comfortability in front of the mic. I really enjoyed this week's interview with Rowan, and even though we had some troublesome interruptions in the middle, I actually quite enjoyed the, the challenge and the ability to deal with the issue and move on as well it, it was a nice little enjoyment for me and I've, I've left that in there for the same reason as I have the previous weeks and that is to show the transparency of the show and to see it progress as I progress so I hope you enjoy if you'd like to go straight to the interview please skip ahead to just before the six minute mark Getting started. 
Alrighty, alrighty, alrighty. Welcome everybody. Hope you're having an absolutely fantastic day. It is Thursday. Rowan, how are you doing? Glad you could join us. We are here live, episode five of the Success Shift, where our goal is to get into the minds of those who are successful and understand whether or not thinking you're successful can act as a catalyst to greater success. So I'm very excited to be meeting, uh, to be joining Rowan here today. He actually reached out to me on one of an online virtual conference of Success Summit online with the amazing Fraser Brooks, who's been a massive drive behind what I'm doing and where I am today. And he actually reached out to me. We got connected in the short time uh, that we've been friends. Uh, I've gotten to know that he's led a pretty interesting life, done some remarkable <laughs> things. So I'm looking forward to getting into the mind of Rowan today. But first of all, Rowan, how are you doing? Very well, my friend. Thanks for having me here. I really, really appreciate it, and I'm looking forward to speaking to you. Mate, it's an absolute pleasure of mine. I really appreciate you reaching out to me. You know, if anyone's been watching these episodes to start with, this is something new. I'm going out there trying to learn as I go, stumble forward, fail mm -hmm. forward, um, and hopefully as the show progresses, you can see that what I take from the guests I have grows the show, progresses it, and hopefully it comes to a big success. But uh, I really appreciate you reaching out because it makes it a bit easier for me to be able to chat with friends. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for that. So why don't you start with telling us a little bit about yourself, Rowan? I mean, you've lived a pretty interesting life from what you've told me. Let me hear it from your point of view from when you were a young fella. Yeah, okay. Um, everybody, hi, Rowan Black here. Um, I was born in England in 1957, very long time ago. And um, I was brought up in a place called Leeds in North Yorkshire. Um, the industrial part of England. And um, I had a very good life. You know, there wasn't a lot of money around for the family, but, you know, we did well. But I realised at a very young age, um, if I want to make some out of, out of my life, I'd have to do some change, make some changes. And um, one of the major changes that I did, I joined the Air Force when I was 16 and a half. Wow. Um, so from a mother's from a mother's womb and warmth into the air force, you know, it was a bit of a culture shock, but um, it set me up for the rest of my life. Spent nine years in the air force, and it was really um, a very basic type of thing that I needed because I was living in an area that wasn't really um, given a lot of promise to you as a young guy. You know? For a young fella. Yeah, a bit rough around the edges. Yeah. I was lucky in a way because I did a lot of sport, and with sport, it got you out of the area every now and again. Does it take but, you um, out? Say it's a savior sometimes. I did sport as a young kid, and it you know yeah. keeps you on track. It keeps you committed. Yeah, to things exactly. Can, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know. but you know, I did um, realize at a young age um, that I personally was responsible for my life, so I had to take action, and I joined the Air Force. Actually, I wanted to be a sports teacher, but um, sort of tricked me into becoming a cook for some reason. Don't know how that happened. That's a nice, yeah. that's a nice hobby to have, <laughs> cooking. Nice. Yeah. Well, I enjoy it, so it's all right, you know. It's the main thing, right? And, um, you love. Exactly. And I did that for the first six years, and then I joined the paratroopers and um, started enjoying life even more. You know? Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> Paratroopers. I actually, I love skydiving. I've got my skydiving license. So okay, skydiving cool. is a passion of mine. I can imagine as a paratrooper doing it for a job, that would have been insane. That would have been so much. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of perks because we've got lots of um, bit of extra money. We're always allowed in the queues for dinner. We're always the first guys in. If I had nice. to go to the dentist, we're the first guys. So, you know, it was a bit cool, you know, and um you know, I enjoyed it, got, managed to do it without any injuries, any serious injuries. Very nice. So, you know, that, um, and that made me, at this stage, I learned about having people or a team that you can trust. Yeah. I because my life, you know, it was dependent on these guys. So it was very, very important. So that was... a uh, sort of around you to support yeah, you. Hey? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that was a good lesson for life, you know. Can I ask, did you skydive before at all before you went into paratroopers or did you just sign up and then no, you went straight out the plane? No, I just I signed <laughs> up, with a, did a, the basic training and then my first jump was actually out of a balloon. Oh, wow. And I remember, I like remember the, the sergeant majors um, saying to me on the megaphone, I should cross my legs 
so they could screw me out easier, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I thought, what, you know? So, but it was, it was cool. It was all good-humoured. You know. Yeah, nice. What was going through your head when you did your uh, first jump? Because I remember my first jump. I'd only been on a tandem. <laughs> and then we, then we get to the course and he's like, right, this is what we're going to do in the air. And then he's like, you ready? I'm like, what? He just throws me out. Yeah. And I'm falling like this, <laughs> flailing around my arms. And I remember my heart just inside my chest, basically. Yeah. But it, it tell you what, it, it gets you good at facing your fears. I don't know about you, but that I've way. done about 40 jumps. Yeah. Each time I get to the edge of the plane, I'm still scared. Still, still oh, yeah, it's, it's normal reaction. But the thing is, um, you're so well trained, yeah? yeah. Like if something does happen, you, you, you're not concentrating on the fear. You're concentrating, how can I get out of the situation if it does happen? And yeah. we only had 800 meters. It was a static line. So oh, wow. you didn't have a lot of time if anything went wrong. So um, you were well tuned. We went, went through these stacks and stacks of times. So you were just tuned to getting out of the aeroplane, looking at if everything was clear and yeah. just landing, you know, so. And did you guys have a reserve or were you just one shoot? Yeah, but we had a reserve, but we used to call it an alibi because what are you going to do after 800 meters? <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, I mean? that's, that's <laughs> what I was thinking. Yeah. After. <laughs> You're going to hit the ground. It's gonna... So we all use an alibi, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. fair enough. <laughs> That's super but, interesting. Yeah, cool. So, what was it? I just want to go back a little bit. So, you were in the Air Force for nine years. So, after loving skydiving, I also want to learn to fly a plane. So, one of my goals in life, later on in life, when I got a bit of yeah. extra time and money, is to learn to fly a plane. What was it like in the Air Force at such a young age? I mean, people don't start learning to drive until you're 16, and here you are learning to fly a plane, especially one like that. Well, no, I wasn't actually flying. I was okay. learning to jump out of them, you know. So, oh, I see, I see, I see. Yeah, but um, actually, I did a lot of flights in different sort of um, air, airplanes, helicopters. I did a lot of training. I was stationed at an air sea rescue um, camp, and they used to drop us into the sea yep. and, and practice rescuing us. So, you, so I used to do that like every weekend just for fun, you know? Jump out of a helicopter, wait, wait in the ocean, be like, help yeah. me. But I'll tell you one thing, it was good for getting the girls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I can imagine, I can imagine. So that must have some sort of like really strong mindset training. I mean, I'm from Australia, sharks are everywhere, but I was a lifeguard. I love being in the water. But many yeah. people that I meet are terrified of the water. Imagine jumping out of a, a helicopter plane into yeah. open waters were you scared yeah. at all? Being from England, I mean, you don't really I was have to. more than scared because I'm the world's worst swimmer. <laughs> oh, you know, really? I, I shouldn't have been allowed to jump, but I kept trying to let me through, you know? Yeah. So um, I was terrified of the water jumps. I was terrified. But once again, this train that we had, I yeah. turned this fear into just, you know, concentrating what if this happened? What do I need to do? Yeah. So, you know, you, there's not really a fear because you concentrate on different things and that's the way they taught us to think about things you know yeah and I, it, it I, does work i heard a really good saying yesterday that like um you know nerves you get sweaty your heart beats your palm yeah. gets sweaty but then excitement is the exact same thing so rather yeah. than being nervous you'd be like i'm excited and all of a sudden yeah, exactly. your yeah. mind shifts 180 and you instead of being nervous about what's going to happen you're excited for what's going to yeah. happen and you change that entire perspective yeah i can imagine being in that situation where you know you're not the best swimmer, you know you've got to jump in this water, maybe having that sort of like, yeah, this is fun, I'm going to do this, you know, the adrenaline coming in, like excitement comes, you jump in, you're like, please save me quickly because I'm terrified. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it was all of them. But it was cool, you know. Um, there were some great guys all around me. Um, once I hit the water, there was never any danger really, yeah. you know. Um, it was just probably... Um, the biggest challenge was hitting the water at a good enough angle not to hurt yourself. Yeah, you not know? land on your, flat on your back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I've done a so, few of them um, myself. It hurt. But it was all right. It was cool. How far, was out, cool. How far down were you jumping? Uh, from, with the water jumps we did from 1,200 metres. 1,200 metres? Metres, yeah. The wow. water jumps were always higher. Yeah, yeah. So you jump, yeah. so you jump out, pull your chute. And no, then... no, static line, static, static line. line. Okay. Go, 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 go. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, then uh, how close to the water do you get before, like, you, you're not with your shoot? <laughs> um, you, you get this thing, you know it yourself, the ground rush. Yeah. Yeah, it just rushes to you. But with water, 
it's just a different element. So it just seems completely strange. Yeah. It's not normal, you know? And um, I always remember to say, don't open your May West in the air. You know, you wait until you're, you're in the water. Yeah, so okay. I was always trying to concentrate. When do I feel the water? When do I feel the water? So there's so many things going around, you know. Yeah. Um, I can imagine being in the water with a shoot can be very dangerous as well, like getting yeah, tangled yeah, and yeah. it acts like yeah. a wet blanket. And then if you exactly you got that on top of you, then you pull your vest and yeah. you're sort of floating and getting squished at the same time. But we always had really, really good backup teams that were extra there just to make sure the guys got out quick enough without any problems, you know. So that was one of the things that worked really well, you know. Yeah, wow. Very fascinating. I find that very, very fascinating. So you have, have I'm that. not going to do it anymore. That's it. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. So after, after that, you uh, you left left the air force at what twenty five. You would have been quite young yeah. still, and you came into being a cook. Yeah, I, you know, I decided to stay in Germany, and um, I actually opened an electrical shop with a friend of mine, and we did something really crazy because the British guys used to get newspapers, the British papers, about 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. And we thought, what if we could get the papers on the way to work, you know, 7, 8 o'clock in the morning? Yeah. And they'd come into the shop, pick up the paper, and they'd probably buy a video or something else with it. Oh, nice. Yeah. And that was our idea. So we were travelling every night. Yeah. To the borders to pick up the British papers to bring them back to our shop. Oh wow! So you had it was crazy. Yeah, it, right. was, it was crazy. But we had the shop full. It was good, you know. Yeah. And um, we made a good name for ourselves. But I had a very bad car accident, okay. and unfortunately, you know, I was in hospital for such a long time, and um, the bills just started taking over, and we just had to close it up. You know. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. One of them stages in life, but um, yeah, it was a good idea that we had. Yeah, nice. So then, <laughs> so you're in a car car accident. Yeah, yeah. Um, somebody, um, I was in, I was a passenger in an English car, so the steering wheel was on the right hand side. Yeah, right hand side. Yeah, 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 yeah. Me as well, yeah, being yeah. Australia, Germany. And, um, some woman uh, at, the, at the crossing, she took the, you know, she took my fourth part, whatever you call it in English. Yeah, um, what do you call it? The, yeah, the front fender. Yeah, the, the, you know, she drives into the side of our car and my legs stop broken. Oh, wow. So that would have yeah. been quite a lot to recover. I'm sure being in the Air Force and the paratrooper, that's kind of yeah. stuff that you might have already had a mindset for, like this could be a possibility, jumping out of planes all yeah, the time. Yeah. And then, lo and behold, it happens a way you completely don't expect it. Hello, exactly. universe, yeah. sending me from a different yeah. direction. But exactly. did that, take, did that yeah. take a lot to get you back on your feet? Mind yeah, fun. Um, it's yeah, good one. It took me quite a lot because um, I was still very active with sport and everything. I was a sprinter, and then um, I remember the doctor saying to me, "I won't be able to do sport or competitive sport again," you know. And um, about a year later, I had a couple of races, second, third, but there was no first places anymore. Yeah, yeah? but. After that, from doing 100 meter, I did a marathon. Nice. Just to say, well, you know, the doctor don't know what he's talking about. You know, I'm not going to be the fastest one anymore, but I can still use my legs. I'll still be able to do something. So I did three marathons and yeah. um, just went in a different direction completely. Man, that's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. What, what was yeah. going through your head during that rehabilitation stage? Because I actually had a friend who was yeah. in a really serious car accident and I almost got in the car. So seeing yeah. him go through his rehabilitation stage, yeah. there's obviously the physical aspects of it, the walking, the going through this, but the psychological aspects and the mental yeah. game where especially, you know, to say no doctor, I'm going to go further. No doctor, I'm going to do this again. Yeah. Not only am I going to get back to my feet, but I'm going to then run a marathon. Yeah. You must have had a lot of stuff that you would have had to go through. Tell us a bit about, about that. Oh, yeah, well, because at that stage as well, my German wasn't – I could understand quite a bit, but I couldn't – So you are in Germany. Uh, explain, I couldn't explain things, you know, wow. very well. So I had a bit of, bit of a problem, and I couldn't open my emotions, what I was thinking and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. And um, it, it was a tough time, but I had, once again, I had some fantastic friends that still live in Guttenslow, and I'll never forget these guys looked after me very, very, very well, you know, and um, 
you just get over these things, you know? Yeah. My biggest problem was to make sure my family at home weren't worrying too much, you know? Yeah. You know, but I was, I was saying everything's okay and this and that and that and everything's all right, but they were obviously worried. Yeah. But um, it, was, it all sorted itself out, you know? There's all those sort of different strings, isn't there? Was there, was there anything you kept on telling yourself? Like, were you like, just, I can do this or a mantra or something you had? Or did you have like a reason onwards that you were really glued to that kept your drive going through that rehabilitation? Or was it just, I'm Yeah, it was, uh, I think it was when the doctor said to me, um, I won't be able to do any sport anymore, competitive sport. And that was my life, you know? Yeah. That, that's, you know, that was my life. Having that and, passion um, taken I, away. Yeah, and I just could not imagine um, this not being, you know, this not happening, you know. So that gave me a bit of a drive. But actually, when I did start to try and do it again at a comp- competitive level, yeah, um, I realised it wasn't going to be um, the way it was before, you know. Yeah. So that did give me a bit of a knock, but. Um, I just thought to myself, okay, you can't compete, but you can do other things. You can enjoy it. Yeah. So instead of doing the competitive part of it, I started to enjoy it. And nice. You probably know if you do a lot of sports and you do it at a very good level, it's not always enjoyable because there's all this training and bad weather. It doesn't matter if the sun's shining or it's bad weather. Um, you've got to do it. So you're not really, you're only enjoying this moment when you win. Yeah. You get yeah. up at a horrible hour, you work exactly. in the wet, you what work when you're tired, mean? you yeah. work, yeah, it's, I, I played rugby, I loved rugby. rugby yeah, I played rugby league as well, yeah, so, so you know. I know what training. you mean, it's the, yeah. but then, I, then I think when you take that competitive side away to that extreme level, you can begin to enjoy it again, and it becomes yeah. more of a comfortable exactly. sort of thing, rather yeah. than like, this is what I have to do, because I got to that level as well, it was, from where yeah. I am, I can either enjoy myself and play rugby, or I can go competitive and like really try. And it just yeah. wasn't at the right thing for me. I didn't want to be doing that. And yeah. so it does because it takes away that sort of enjoyment of it. Yeah. Which is yeah. Interesting. I mean, it's nice to get these glory moments where, you know, your name's been called out and you're, you're, you're number one and you've broke some sort of local record or something. Your highlight reel. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's nice. But when you think of it, when you put it in balance for all the work you put into it, yeah. it's not really much of an award. I think the top award is if you win the Olympics. I don't think anything can beat that, you know? Yeah, that's true. But a normal athlete, a normal sportsman, it's... Yeah, and, and people don't notice the, the the early mornings, the late nights, no. the constant yeah. sweating, the the point yeah. where you're like, I, why am I doing this? I should quit. Exactly. Like, yeah. Have I made a mistake? What is the point in this? And if you don't have yeah. that passion and that drive, then it's really hard to exactly. do So yeah. yeah, yeah. I totally, totally feel you on that. Yeah. Well, but, yeah, that's... Yeah, so well, this... Then you went into cooking, so I keep keep yeah. going up. So you're back into cooking. Yeah, I'm back into cooking. Cooking's always been a way to earn money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's always been a means to earn money. It might not be a thing exactly you want to do, but 99 of the time you'll get a job because nobody wants to work at the weekends. Nobody wants to work on a fire tag or whatever, you know. Yeah. So there's always some sort of opportunity there. It was just a case of, okay, I'm getting a bit stable, but I've got to progress. Because I wasn't in, I didn't have the financial means to open my own restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose and that would be the, the goal way, as a chef, wouldn't it, yeah. to have your own restaurant? And the wages weren't that good. So, you know, I always had to be thinking of different things. Okay, what am I going to do now? And that's basically uh, when I started to think about uh, multi level marketing. Yeah. as a means of earning an extra income, you know? And um, that's, I think, um, I, I call MLM the poor man's business because anyone, anyone can start it, you know? Yeah. Anyone can start it, you know? It's just a case of how far you want to go with it, that's you know? The, the thing, I, I've heard of many people say this, but network marketing <clears throat> is basically just a business where you get paid for your personal growth. The more you grow and the more you're willing to help others, the further yeah. you're going to go in network marketing and MLMs because yeah. the whole business space is around very minimal capital yeah. and then getting rewarded for helping other people do what you're yeah. doing. So you get a community, you get a group together and you helped. The more I help the person who's in my business, 
the more we're both going to benefit. Exactly. And yeah, so the more yeah. your personal growth, and I think, as you said, it's a very, very great and probably misunderstood yeah. business yeah. business model. Um, unfortunately, there's always people that give give every business a bad name. Uh, that's yeah. why Fraser Brooks has such a good job because he's trying to revamp that. But yeah. how's it going for you? Yeah. Is it going good? Sorry? How's, how's it going for you? Yeah, it's going fantastically at the moment, you know. Um, I've got a good team um, behind me. I've got some good leaders. Um, I've really committed myself to it. I've been building up my knowledge. Nice. But also putting it into practice. Like Fraser says, don't just learn. You Same know? thing. you got to take Go left around, foot yeah. and right foot. Learn, exactly, action, exactly. learn, action. Exactly. And um, I didn't have the courage or the belief in the business before to do this because because – Excuse me. No, I just. Okay. Yeah, not a problem. Popular man. As you, as you can see, he's done a lot of interesting things, and um, I think something I've taken away from that is that, you know, putting yourself in those environments and being surrounded by the people that he's been surrounded by obviously seems to help really get him through those things like jumping out of planes on a regular basis i know it can be scary you know jump jumping um in into waters when you don't know being in a car crash getting over it going through all the things can be very very um terrifying yeah. and having that support crew and that community i think is a massive thing that's helped yeah Rowan go through so i was just sharing my takeaways with anyone that's watching that um some things that i've noticed that are repetitive in your stories that you've got that community and you've, you've got that like support behind you. And even though it's terrifying, you sort of do it anyway, because you've got the training and you've got the mm -hmm. action to go through. But so I continue, continue where you're off. So you, you had your community in your MLM and yeah. you're really enjoying that and you, you take it. Yeah. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Like I say, I'm learning new processes all the time. And what I find interesting that it's, it's becoming a lot easier to help, um, you know, the other guys and the other women in the team, yeah. you know, because I'm actually, these things that I'm learning, I'm putting into practice and I'm then I'm seeing that it's working. So I can't honestly say, yeah, you need to do this, do this, do that, and it'll work. Yeah. And it's dying, you know, and it's a fantastic feeling, you know. Yeah, I can it's, imagine. It's a fantastic feeling. And that's the thing with this, like what you're learning, you don't unlearn, you know, you're, no. you're learning these things. And even though you might not get the results straight away, it's one of those things, especially in network marketing and MLMs, that you do the work, you might not get the reward. You do the work, you might not get it. But then you're learning these yeah. skills, you're doing the work, and everything you've started doing here will eventually be paying off. <laughs> That's the kid. There's kids out there ringing all the bells again. Oh, really? The, the ding-dong yeah. bitch? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I must admit, I'm guilty of that when I was younger doing the same thing. <laughs> it's probably my karma from when I was Sorry younger. About this. No, no, not a problem. Like I said, it's probably the karma from me. Doing it when I was younger, coming back and biting me. <laughs> but um, yeah, what I was saying is you don't you don't lose those skills, you know. And this is one of the things that people I think struggle to do is work without reward. We're so trained yeah. to work with reward, work with reward, and when we don't get reward, then we struggle to keep that work up. And it takes a lot yeah. of strength and mindset to go. I know and believe that my results are going to be worth the effort I'm putting in right now. And yeah. I can imagine that would have been similar to when you're getting over your your car crash or trying to get walking again, you know, I know that the effort I'm putting in right now is going to be worth the ability to run in a race again. Yeah. I know that the struggles I'm going through right now, even though I can't walk again right today, they're building towards something greater. They're building towards exactly. being able to run yeah. a marathon. And I think it's really important to understand that concept to grow. Exactly. You know, you've got, you've got to take the stages and until you get to where it eventually leads you, you know, so you just got to take the little steps at a time and don't worry about the big steps, you know? Yeah, focus on what's in front of you yeah. right, as, as you go along. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Well, I, wanna... I think I'm just going to have to run down the step and kill a couple of kids. These just fine. I'm sorry go for about it. Them. Go for it. Just don't get caught while you're doing it. <laughs> no, that's completely fine. Uh, that is quite funny that the kids are ringing the doorbells and running away. I remember when I did that. Not to the extent that's happening right now, but I remember when I did that as a young kid and I think uh, this is the universe's way of getting back at me, but it's um, <laughs> quite funny how how it goes around. But very impressive. Um, some of the takeaways, like I said, is that the, the strength 
and the mental willpower to continue doing something even when you're not getting that reward. I remember watching my friend um, try to rehabilitate. He was in a wheelchair for six weeks and then slowly getting back up. And I think he was told he wouldn't be able to walk again. But then a couple of years later, he's playing footy and he's playing AFL, a really rough sport, and he's doing it well as well. He was a great athlete. But I think it comes down to that, that drive and that want and that passion. He was a runner. He loved what he did. And I think he just had it in his head that like, no, this isn't it for me. Like, I'm not giving up right now. I'm going to keep working, even though it's going to take time. It's going to take effort. He was able to take those steps forward, do the little things. And just like Rowan's done, run a marathon or play sport. And I think that's something really powerful that we could take away from is not having the goal in mind, but really having focus on the one thing at a time. Because I know personally for me, sometimes I've got this big goal and I want to achieve it. And I forget about all the little steps that it's going to take to get there. And then when I don't get to that goal by the set date, I can get disappointed. So having the expectations not meet the reality is basically what disappointment is. And so when you've got such high goals and you don't focus on the small baby steps, then you can end up feeling disappointed. You end up feeling like you're not successful. You end up feeling like um, perhaps you can't do it. And that can be a deterrent. And I think that if you focus on the small achievements and you get you know, the first step, first 50 meters, the first little bits going and you'd be proud and grateful that you've gotten that and acknowledge your success in that, then that helps to drive you to the next baby step, next baby step. And before you know it, you're looking back and you're running a marathon. So how'd you go with those kids? Did you chase them down the street? What's your answer? Yeah. I did that to myself, didn't I? Very, very sorry about this, but I'll, I'm just going to leave them because um, hey, it's if not I your, don't get them, they'll... It's not your fault. This is exactly what they wanted. They got the bait, and so they're, they're running. Yeah. So yeah. I'm happy to continue. But what we'll do is we'll touch on the one thing that I want to talk to you about was your traveling, because you've moved country. So you've moved from England yeah. to Germany. Different culture, different language, you know, Similar environment, I suppose, in the weather. I've come from Australia to Germany and I completely understand what it's like. Culture, language. For me, it's a little bit different in temperature from hot to cold. I'm now, it's, as you know, it's getting into winter and I'm not used to a white winter. So how did you go about that transition, that that change? Well, um, the actual temperature change and stuff like that was quite okay, but it's just the culture. The yeah. culture was the biggest problems, you know? Um because other countries, other people think completely different, something that's normal for you is not normal for them. So you've got to be very, very, very careful yeah. at the beginning, you know. But you can't lose your identity either. You've still got to stay what you are, you Yeah, know? I think that's one of the hard things, and I'm quite lucky. So my girlfriend's German, um, but mm -hmm. we met in Canada. So it was kind of role reversal. So she was there. She wasn't able to speak English fluently. She could speak a bit. But, you know, we were in that environment where it was hard because at parties and there's lots of language going on and the culture's different. Like, it takes a long time to transition. Luckily, yeah. there was a lot of, like, and lots of people there were speaking English, but she didn't have English. So trying to, she had to learn quick, basically. But in the reversal, I don't know if you found this, but me coming to Germany, lots of people speak English as a second language. So I managed to crawl my way through a little bit and it's not <laughs> much of a shock. But it can be, and it can be quite hard. Like I didn't realize until I got here that you spend a whole day and the, everyone's talking German and it gets tiring because you're trying to listen or your focus goes. Yeah, it's very tiring, yeah. yeah. It's, it's the small things that you don't realize until you're in that situation. Exactly, yeah. It's really, really tiring, you know. And um, even when you're at the stage when you're, you're, you're listening to something and you're translating yourself back and forwards, yeah. you know, that's even tiring. Yeah. You know, so, but at the end of the day, you're totally flaked. Yeah. And I, it's, I think, because your brain's exhausted, right? It, it keeps working. Yeah. Like you hear some parts, and you're like, oh, did I get that word right? Is that, is that yeah, how it's going to yeah, yeah, And then yeah. by that time, they're on to the next conversation. You're like, wait, damn it. Okay. Now my identity being a loud person who likes to jump in conversations and get vocal, I'm sitting at the table going, what did you say? Like, what, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> Looking at my girlfriend, like, can you translate so I can fit yeah. in, please? It's a, it's crazy because, as you said, that ident I think identity is such a powerful thing. Yeah. Your identity is very powerful. And I think, well, lots of my mentors talk about this, that if you want to be this level of person, then you need to change your identity to be this person, even before you're there. Be that yeah. person in, in, in that way. 
be the, the leader that you want to be, dress like the person you want to be and do it before you're there. And that identity yeah. will bring you up because you'll end up acting like your identity. But if you're losing, yeah, exactly. yeah. it could be hard, right? Did, uh, how did you go about that when you, when you moved into the different language and culture? Was there anything in particular you did to keep your identity strong, even though you were finding it tough? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think I spoke my mind more than I should have done. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that weeds out the good and the bad quickly. Yeah. Bad, I think. <laughs> because Germans tend to, you know, put things onto the carpet and, you know, put in a nice little parcel. Yeah. I just used to go straight to the point and say, tell them, even if I couldn't speak out verbally, yeah. I think they knew my eyes exactly what I meant, yeah. you know. <laughs> and so um, in that sense, I got the respect because they realised, okay, we've got to treat this person. He can't speak very good German, but he's obviously trying to communicate with us. He's obviously trying to tell us something, so we've got to take him seriously, you know? Yeah. And that was the biggest problem at the beginning, not being taken seriously, yeah. you know, or people not, un not, not willing to understand you. That was very, very frustrating. Yeah, like that was very, very frustrating. Imagine, and I think tonage as well, like in discussion, you know, you're from England, very laid back people, like to have a laugh, like to have a clown around, have yeah. fun. Australians, very similar. And I think yeah. the tone and the way you speak to people has a lot to do with communication as well as the body language and all that. So if yeah. you don't have that ability to share your tone, let alone the language, then it's kind of all down to body language and you have to sort of do yeah, different yeah. things to get your point across. But if, you, if you're sarcastic yeah. a lot or you joke around and you want to have fun, then getting that across, you'd, you'd lose that a little bit, don't you? And, yeah, yeah, you definitely do. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, um, it was also this, you know, everything was so serious, you know what I mean? Everything. The Germans are serious, but, aren't they? You know, what's up, guys? Have a laugh, you know. <laughs> you know, and I just couldn't understand it. And I'd say to myself, what am I doing here? You know what I mean? These yeah. people are strange, you know. But at the end, towards the end of time, you realise, okay, that's just the way they are. I should imagine the people in Sweden and Norway are even more strange. It's not going to get stuck so early, you know. And yeah. um, But that's just the way, you know. Even British people, they might think, bloody hell, these guys are crazy, you know. But it's just the way, it's just your personality, the way you've been brought up. Exactly. What are you, do, what are you doing? I mean, I think for me anyway, I find that if someone I think is strange or acting differently and I'm getting frustrated by that, that's more something that I need to look internally at because why am I getting frustrated at what they're doing? Is it really affecting me to that level? I mean, you know, if they're ringing the doorbell consistently, then I'm like, God damn it, I can't help that. You know, that's, <laughs> that's annoying. That's what the kids are doing. But sometimes it's like, well, why is that person's attitude or the way that person is? Just because it's a different culture to mine. Just because it's a yeah. different way to what I've been grown up with. Why is yeah. that affecting me so much? I need to look internally and be like, why is it bothering me that they're doing that? Or why is it bothering me that they don't get my jokes or whatever? And I think yeah. for me, moving cultures has a massive internal growth. It makes me look within and oh, yeah. a lot yeah. about, well, I'm in their culture now. I've made the decision to move my life to, to their environment. So I have to adjust, you know, I have to understand exactly. why yeah, these yeah. things are frustrating me and why I need to act differently or how I can still be myself in that environment. Yeah. Did you have much of that but when you... At the same time, you still don't lose your, your own personality, your own beliefs, your own identity. Totally. You agree. know, because I could be a, the next 30 years... I've got a German passport, I still won't be German because I was born in England. And, yeah. and this process, growing up as a kid, was built into me at this this stage of my life and it'll never change, you know? No, it, I don't... It'll never change, you know? So um, I don't think it's just so. one of those things. It's one of those paradigms that we're sort of born with, right? And to, in order to change that, you have to shift a lot. But I suppose that also comes from where you've come from. England's great. It's a lovely country. People are well off. You know, I'm from Australia. I'm always going to be Australian. But if, you know, yeah. we're coming from a third world country, maybe our mindset might be very quick to go, actually, I'm German now. I'm German now. I'm German now. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. change. But I think because we are proud and we have that, uh, you know, excitement and, and joy from where we've come from and that passion and pride of where we, we've come from gives us that ability to go, yeah, I'm always going to, that's who I am. I'm yeah. always going to be me and wear that out loud, I guess. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's... um. Um, you should be proud from wherever you come from, you know, and um, 
you don't got, want to go over the top, you know, you got exactly. to keep it a normal level, but yeah, everybody should be proud of the backgrounds. You know, my, my parents were born in Jamaica. My sisters were all born in Jamaica. I was born in England. Yep. But I still feel me like a little bit of Jamaican, you know, because... A little bit of Jamaican in you, but... A little still bit of Jamaican, yeah. because um, the way the thought, these backgrounds, the people that were involved at this stage, you know, they're yep. all Jamaicans and... It just sort of rolls off onto you as well, you know? Well, it does. I mean, the culture runs down, the, the habits yeah. that, that people are born up with. Like when you're a young child, you know, your mother, for example, might have been raised a certain way. And so she knows now that that's how you raise someone else. Yeah. If that was in Jamaica, then those habits are still going to come down the line. I mean, my yeah. dad was English, so I've mm -hmm. got some English in me as well. So you do have that mixture. And I think it's learning that ability to be proud and happy with who you are, proud of where you've come from, but still be able to keep that in different environments, I think is can be quite a challenge. Yeah. And I think it's definitely that's, something that's, to master. That's true. It's like, for example, my son, Justin, he was born in Germany. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So um, he's got an English dad. He's born in Germany. And I sometimes say, oh, you're so bloody German. Yeah. Well, he is, isn't he? He's yeah. born in Germany. So he's got this sort of... Of course, he's German way of thinking. You know his, whole, I mean? his whole environment, I don't know how old he is, but yeah. his whole environment is German. He's right? 31. Yeah, yeah. If that's what you grow up knowing, then that's what you grow up learning. Exactly. And yeah. Acting like. so, <laughs> yeah. Was his mum German? Is that why you're in Germany? Or? Well, yeah. Um, I um, I got divorced when Justin was nine. Okay. And it's one of the main reasons why I decided to stay here. Yeah. Or I would have gone back to UK because there was lots of opportunities for me in the UK. Uh, my life would have been a lot easier, but obviously um, I didn't want to leave my son. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to be coming across in a jet once a month or whatever. Yeah. You know, nice. so I decided to stay, um, take the rides, and everything worked out in the end. You know. Beautiful. That's what you like. So it's cool. Yeah. It was best decision I ever made. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. Yeah, best decision I ever made. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not bad here. I'm, I'm, I'm still fresh, but I, I, I don't mind it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, man, it's cool. All right, Roland, it's been absolutely amazing having a chat with you. There's two Thanks final questions that I do ask people, and I will give you a moment to share anything that you want to share. Um, mm -hmm. But it's been absolutely amazing. Some of the things I've taken away from you is just, you know, having that environment at has been really helpful and getting that mindset towards um, some of those scary things. Like, yeah. it's good to hear that I'm not the only one terrified. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Fear There's is a lot of guys who tell you the same thing as well. Yeah, fear is inevitable, but I think it's, if you really want to succeed, it's it's being okay with it and doing it anyway, you know? Yeah, yeah. Doing the things that terrify you and being comfortable with that. Exactly, get out of your comfort zone. Anyway. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't agree anymore. Yeah, yeah. get out of your comfort zone. So I have two final questions. The first. Okay. What would be the one thing you'd go back and tell your 17-year-old self? I'm going to say 16 because you went to the Air Force so early. So okay. one bit of advice you could tell yourself at 16, what would it be? I remember my dad sent me at 17, yeah? Yeah. To try and save at least 10% from each wage packet. Yep. And I laughed at him. Yeah. And now I realise what fantastic advice that was. Yeah. It, I mean, yeah. so what I do is I, I'm a lot more into like trading and crypto and investing and that's mm -hmm. sort of where my networking is. Um, and they continuously say like, go percentage wise and say, even if you're getting a $50 check, put five yeah. bucks to savings or put five yeah. bucks for investing or, you know, yeah. divide up that packet into percentages. And before you know it, your life will be, doesn't matter how much you're earning. You can be earning, you know, minimum wage, but if you have the discipline, to put that 5% yeah. there, 5% there, 10% there, give it a few years and you'll be able to get yourself into a much different place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And um, that was a fantastic bit of advice, which I didn't actually use until later on. It's, are you but, using uh, it now? Are you using it now? Oh, definitely. Good yeah. man, good yeah. man. Definitely. I get told that advice all the time and I'm still yeah. not using it. So I've only got myself to be blaming yeah, on that definitely. One. So I think I'm going to go and do some... This, this, Little percentage, you're probably spending on something you don't need anyway. Exactly. Mostly. You know, yeah. an extra beer at the pub or so a couple of coffees because yeah. it's yeah. there. But now yeah. it's already away. Yeah. It compounds, doesn't it? I yeah, think I'm exactly. going to have to go and do some work on that as soon as it Do comes. it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And my second question, which does stump a couple of people, yeah. but if you could have the answer to any question in the world, 
the complete and utter truth to any question, what would that question be? That's a good one. <laughs> Gets people thinking. I like it. I like this one. Yeah, I've got the answer though. Yeah, hit me. How could I live in a world without wars? How could you live in a world without war? So basically yeah. trying to figure out what you need to do to make sure that war yeah. would not. Yeah. And that, that would uh, be great. I mean, I could say one word, politics, and see how that goes. <laughs> <No. laughs> Get rid of politics and who knows what will happen. Yeah. No, I'm not yeah. going to touch that. That's, yeah. that's a big old <laughs> cabin. That's staying away from that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How yeah, could I live? There's too much trouble in the world. Yeah, there's just too much. There's way too much. I mean, people, yeah. Any, yeah, this is a very, very good answer. Very good answer. I yeah, think personally, and I would love the complete answer, but personally starting with yourself and filling yourself up with as much joy as you can so it radiates out to others to eliminate yeah. the war around you is the first step that I'm that's trying to good. take. That's that very cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, if, I can give you a little bit of an answer. That, that's, that's my very, That was very cool. Yeah. So, I mean, it's all about starting with yourself, you know. Um, what little bit of good can I do that's going to make the world a better place? It doesn't have to be a fantastic thing, but a little bit, just like saying good morning to somebody, you know, your ne next door neighbour. It's a small um, thing. Or helping the old woman with a shopping up the stairs, you know? Little things like that. How can it make their day? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it makes their day, and it's, it's just people forget these things. Yeah, you know, these little, it's the little things that count. It's crazy because something like that happens to you at the shop. And you're like, guess what happened to me today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. my bag, and then not only that, but that small little gesture that you did that took two minutes has yeah. they been thinking about that so they can tell their person. So they're they're building up yeah. on that excitement. Then they come with that excitement to the next person, and that yeah. person who hears it goes, "Oh, that was really nice. Maybe yeah. I should yeah. do something nice." And just something so that, small can it, cascade yeah. along, and yeah. before you know it. And just, it's just the small things, yeah. It really is the 1% things. And I'll touch on this a little bit because it's something that I've had a realisation of myself. And people often, well, I used to, how can I help people? How can I help people? How can I help people? And mm -hmm. I wanted to help. But what I didn't realise is that I was trying so much to help others when I wasn't 100%. And what I've found yeah, yeah. is that I will now say no to more people mm -hmm. because if, if I'm not 100%, because I know that if I can fill myself up with energy, then everything else, when I'm already in a good mood, is going to radiate out and it's going to come naturally. If you're 100% yeah. full, the smiles just sit on your face and they yeah. meet people. The door, just yeah. it's just a second nature thing. You don't have to, you're not thinking about why you're not happy. You're full yeah. of happiness. So you go, oh, door, bags, smile on your face yeah. all the time. So yeah. I think for me, concentrating on making myself 100% happy so that I know that I can radiate out to others has been a massive shift for myself. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's really cool. That's nice. Nice. I like your style. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. Well, it's been, it's been really good getting to meet you and I'm sure we can uh, have many more conversations. But uh, is there anything that you'd like to share with anyone listening or watching? Anything you'd like to promote yeah. for yourself? Um, get out of your comfort zone. It's never going to be easy. It doesn't matter where you are on the ladder. If you're at the bottom of the top, it's never going to be easy. Yeah. So you might as well do it. That's it. Yeah, because once you start doing things that you never imagined you could do, things will start happening. Yeah, you know, and what's the problem? You, you try something, it doesn't work. At least you've tried. But if you didn't try, you'll be thinking, oh, if I'd only done that, if I'd only done that. Just, just do it. Just yeah. do it, exactly. Do it. Yeah, just One do of my it. favorite quotes on that is basically like, people are like, oh, I'm not motivated. I'm not motivated. No bullshit. You don't have the courage to start. Yeah. Motivation comes after you start. Yeah. You're scared yeah. of starting because you're scared of failing or you're scared of something yeah. else. It takes five seconds of courage to start the thing that you don't want to do. Yeah. And yeah. once you've got the ball, and I'm guilty as hell for all of this. I do it so often. I'm like, oh, oh. But <laughs> once you realize that it's just that yeah. five seconds of courage, you know, even getting up early, that five seconds mm. to get out of the bed, be like, no, yeah. I can do this. Courage, yeah. get up, get out. And then the motivation yeah. happens. Then the motivation comes and you see the, the ball starts to roll. So I yeah. think it's very, very wise words and a very good lesson. Yeah, that's it. You know, that's um, that, that's why I look at things and um, yeah, just just try and live each day to these sort of methods and just try these negative. You're always going to get negative thoughts coming back at you. Bang, oh, wow. bang, 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 bang. You're always going to be really. I'm also in crypto, and the papers are full of the negative things. Yeah about crypto but yeah. none of the positive things 
how many people's lives it's changed and and what's happening you know and um so you've just got to yeah exactly so you just gotta ignore it and just do your own thing do what feels right in here right yeah exactly exactly yeah if it feels right then it's probably right if it feels wrong it's probably wrong Wrong. yeah (laughs) simple simple uh laws of the universe oh there we go i thought i thought i nearly lost you for a second all right well well it has been absolute an absolute pleasure uh getting to chat to you today i really appreciate it next week we'll be coming on with a friend of mine named jake also jake mm-hmm. uh he'll be talking about drugs and alcohol the problems and the rehabilitation and how mm-hmm. quickly you can change your life um if you really That's want to so interesting. yeah yeah come and join us for next week yeah. And if that's something that interests you, and if it's not, come join us anyway. You might learn something. But, yeah, that's uh, cool. Rowan, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. No, it's been it's been great. So <laughs> this will be on my Facebook, on my YouTube, and I will be taking all of these recordings and putting them onto hopefully a podcast mm-hmm. Spotify episode. So fantastic. you can find it there and you can share it with your friends. Great. It's been fantastic. Excuse my little friends outside. I, we were all young ones, right? And like I said, I, I was a bit of a shit stirrer, so it's probably just come. And I'm Me okay too. with that. <laughs> there you go. All right. Okay. All right, then. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for watching. I hope you have an absolute no. blessed morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are. And just remember to keep smiling. Peace out. Take care. Bye-bye.